So we are concluding our sermon series entitled, Because God Has No Grandchildren. And the idea behind that is that we, each one of us, have to find our own way to faith in Christ. We don't get to like get grandfathered in because our parents were Christians. The truth of it is each one of us has to find our way. And we've been talking about uh, the mission and the vision for this church. We've been talking about our mission as being I'm having a brain cramp. <laughs> and I know this well. Um, that we are here to enrich the lives of children and family and lead you to live, love, and serve like Jesus. That's what we're about. That, that's our mission as a church. And you notice that part of that is to make you a better disciple, to live, love, and serve like Jesus. And today I want to little, talk a little bit about the how, the how that we're going to do that. For, for several years we have talked about uh, connect, grow, and go. And, and this is the how we are going to enrich the lives of children and family and help lead you to live, love, and serve like Jesus. But we, before we talk about why that's important, before we talk about the how, I want to talk about the why. Why does any of this even matter? Why, why does a church having a mission and a vision, why is that important? Well, it's important because it helps us know where we're going. It helps tell us how we're going to get where we want to go. But the most important thing is that we as followers of Jesus the Christ have been given the best news in the history of the world. The gospel, Ewan the good news that salvation is available to all. This is literally the best news in the history of the world. And you, as a follower of Jesus Christ, have been entrusted with this message. You have been entrusted with this good news, and it is incumbent, it is urgent, that we go out into the world and share that good news. Because you literally carry with you and your faith the best news the world has ever received. So our text today comes from Galatians. And we've talked about this some in the past. This is one of the seven undisputed Pauline texts. Some of the other texts uh, that are attributed to Paul, uh, scholars believe perhaps that um, some followers of Paul had written in his name, which is not a horrible, heinous crime that we think it is today in the Western world. Back then, it was very common for followers of a particular person to write in their name. But this particular text is one that scholars all generally agree Paul wrote. 
The part at the very end where he says, I, Paul, write with my hand. But this is a text that Paul put together eh, that scholars think about 48, 49. So it's really early in, in the life of the church. And you need to remember that at that time, followers are, of Jesus were sort of like that crazy uncle that you don't talk about at your family reunions. You know, the one that's a prepper up in Montana somewhere or something. Um, the, the Jews thought that followers of Jesus were like their crazy uncle. Because the earliest followers of Jesus were Jews. And then as this best news in the history of the world began to spread, non-Jewish people, Gentiles, began to believe as well. And so there was a dilemma facing the church. Because the first earliest Christians were all Jewish people who believed in Jesus. And so the question was, what do we do with these Gentiles that are coming to faith in Christ? There were some that ha had preached, in particular in Galatia, that the Gentiles had to follow the Jewish law, the Mosaic law, which meant some of them needed to be circumcised. There's a lot of conversation in the book of Galatians about that topic. But the, the idea is some were saying they have to follow the Mosaic law, and others, Paul, were saying no. We are all children through our faith in Christ. We are all children of God. The Mosaic law does not apply to those who believe in Jesus Christ. So that's what's happening as this book is being written by Paul to these churches in Galatia. So we're at third chapter, verses 23 through 29. Hear what Paul has to say to us. Now, before faith came, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore, the law was our disciplinarian until Christ came so that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer subject to a disciplinarian. For in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. As many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer save, slave or free. There is no longer male and female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. This is the word of God for the people of God. So in this passage, Paul is talking about faith. It's the fulfillment of Christ's coming. He's talking about the law, which is not the police, it's not the popo. The law is the mosaic code that was passed down. And he's talking about the law having been sort of a gatekeeper for us until such a time as Christ came and we discovered faith in Christ. 
They're trying to figure out what to do about the Gentile question. And Paul says, no. The law does not apply to those who believe in Jesus Christ. Paul tells them that faith alone is adequate. He reminds us that we are all the children of God because we have faith in Jesus Christ. We are a new creation in Christ. When we are baptized, we put on Christ and we are forever a follower of Jesus. And then Paul utters these or writes these words that, that are so famous that there is neither free nor slave, nor Greek, nor Jew, nor male, nor female. We are all one in Christ. Now, there are very few things I like more than digging into Scripture, looking for nuggets of sort of new ways to look at things, and new ways to understand things. And in doing that, I was reading some scholars, and you would not believe all the stuff that has written about this one verse. And most of it is kind of centered around, what's he talking about? No male, no female. And I mean, there's just dissertations that sort of go off on that. And I have to tell you, as I'm reading all of this, I'm thinking, y'all are missing the point. The point of this verse is that we are all equal before God. I told you last week, one of the things I love about the good news of Jesus is he turns the world upside down. Well, he's doing it again in this verse. Paul is telling us that we all stand equal before God. Kings and paupers, rich and poor, we all stand equal before God. An unworthy sinner in need of grace. We all stand before God with that same status. People, this is extraordinary news. That we all stand as equals before God. Your preacher doesn't get a cut to the front of the line. Your preacher stands there just like you, a sinner in need of grace. All of us are equal before the Lord of hosts. That is extraordinary news. And at the conclusion of this text, Paul tells us that we, if we belong to Christ, then we are the children of Abraham. It's important to Paul that God be seen as having kept his promises from the Old Testament. Paul is tying them together. He's not saying that's an old thing, this is a new thing. He's saying it all ties in, and God has kept his word. Remember God's promise to Abraham? I will bless you, I will bless those who bless you, I will give you land, and you will have descendants like the stars. Paul is telling us God has kept his word. He's kept his promise to Abraham. 
And this is a theme that runs throughout the Pauline text. It is important to Paul that people see that God has kept his promise. You want a glimpse of it? You read Romans 9, 10, and 11. Paul is addressing the question that all of us have struggled with at some point or another. Are the Jews saved? He spends three chapters talking about it sort of reasoning it out, talking it out, trying to figure it out. And at the end, you know what his conclusion is? It's a mystery. But God gave his word, therefore all the Jews will be saved. It's important to Paul that we understand that God keeps his word. It is in this verse this idea of us being the children of Abraham, that, that, that he ties us together. The church universal, all followers of Jesus Christ are therefore children of Abraham. In this passage, we have the substance of the good news of Jesus Christ. There is grace available to all. When you accept Jesus as Savior, you are all children of God. Not every religion gets to claim that because I believe I am a child of the Most High God. That is extraordinary news. That is the best news the world has ever had, and it is yours to bear. It is your place to go out into the world and to share that good news. As a church, our mission is to enrich the lives of children and families and lead you to live, love, and serve like Jesus. Our vision for, for what our community will look like when we begin to accomplish our mission, is a Lake Houston community transformed by a great love of God and neighbor. When we start to accomplish our mission, that's what our community is going to look like. But the how, how are we going to accomplish our mission? And that's where these words connect grow and go come into play. And let me tell you, these are not just words. This is not just something that we're going to stick on our stationery and on our website. These are words that we as a body of Christ are going to live by. The need to connect, grow, and go. These really are, are not just words, but these are habits that we as a body of Christ need to develop, to connect, to grow, and to go. As we understand connect, it means that we expect you to connect with other people in our community, in your workplace, your neighbors, at school. We want you to be nice. We want you to make friends. 
We also want you to connect with God. I think you can best connect with God through worship. We want you to go out into the world and connect with other people. I'm going to tell you a really scary word. Evangelism. It's a scary word. When I tell you, if I go out and say, go out and evangelize to the people, you're going to go, ooh. The earliest form of evangelism was this. Come and see. Three words. Come and see. The earliest disciples were called by their brothers. Come and see this man Jesus. Come and see what he is doing. When we're asking you to connect to others, that's all we're asking you to do is to say, come and see what God is doing at my church. Come and see what God is doing in my life. Let me tell you how I have experienced God in my life. Let me remind you, all you can do is share the good news. God saves. That's not up to you. God does the hard work. We're just asking you to connect to other people and make sure that you spend the time to connect with God. The word grow, it means we want you to grow in faith. We as disciples, we as the bearers of the best news that the world has ever heard, we have to grow in our faith and our understanding. It doesn't mean that reading Scripture by itself, though, is enough. It's good for us to do that. That's a great daily habit. There's apps that will even send you Scripture so that you get your daily dose of Scripture every day. We have devotionals that you can take home with you that have a reading for every day. And that's good. It's important that we read the Bible. It's been my experience that the best growth happens when we share the word with other believers. The Proverbs say, iron sharpens iron. When we are in a small group, when we're in a Sunday school class, when we're in a Bible study, we get to hear God's word proclaimed by others. We, we may get to hear a differing view on our understanding on a scripture, and brothers and sisters, that is not just good, it is awesome because it helps you grow spiritually in your walk. It also means that we as a body of Christ want to grow numerically. If we're not adding people to this body of Christ, guess what? We're dying. So it means that we want you to go out and connect with people so that we can grow as a body of Christ so that you can grow spiritually. And go. Go means that we want you to go and serve others. Because if all we do is sit around and take care of ourselves, we're not bringing the gospel to the world. We're not sharing that good news. We need to go out into the world and put our faith in practice. Go out there and put it to work. Serving God. We are to be the hands and feet of Jesus in our community. 
That's what it means when we say go. So I, as your pastor, have certain expectations for you as church members. And they're very much in line with connect, grow, go. And let me just share with you what I think are very reasonable expectations of the members of Atascacita United Methodist Church. I expect you to be in worship regularly. That can be online, which is a great option when you go to the lake. I'm not saying you don't get to go to the lake. You got a lake house? Go to the lake house. But if you're in town, we expect you to be in worship with us so that you can connect with God and connect with others. I expect you to be in some sort of a small group or a Sunday school class, some sort of a disciple growth, some place where you can grow spiritually. That's my expectation of you. And it doesn't have to be a special small group that meets on Tuesdays. Sunday school classes count. Some place where you are sharing God's word with other followers. I have an expectation that you will support the church by giving to God regularly and faithfully, both financially and with your time. I'm not going to tell you what it is. You all know what a tithe is. And I, I don't care what you give. My expectation is that you give faithfully to God. It has been my experience that the most generous people as it relates to giving to God are typically the most spiritually mature. And the last expectation is I expect you to serve. I expect you to serve the church, but more importantly, I expect you to serve others. I think these are fair expectations for me. And when I say serve others, you, you can serve in the church. You can serve on finance. That's great. That's a good way to serve. You can serve all different kinds of ways. But once a year, I want you to go out and do something for somebody that has nothing to do with the church. To go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus for someone somewhere else. Those are my expectations for members of, of churches in which I serve. And these line up, I think, very nicely with our idea of connect, grow, and go. We're asking you to connect with others. Connect with God in worship. Grow in your faith and your understanding of God and go to serve others. Folks, if we're not serving others, we're like 1 Corinthians 13. We're just a loud gong making noise. Connect, grow, go. Make those habits in your life. Make them things that are important to you because they're not just a couple of words on our website or on our stationery. Connect, grow, go is a way for us to move forward. I ask you to connect this week. Do something to grow this week and go out and be the hands and feet of Jesus somewhere in our community. Let us pray. 
Gracious God, we are the bearer of the best news that the world has ever received. Father, don't let us keep that to ourselves. Help us to bring it out into the world, to connect with others and connect with you. Father, help us to grow in our faith and our understanding of God and how you work in this world, and help us to go and serve others that we may be a beacon of love and light for them to see. Father, make us bold to go out and invite people to come and see what God is doing in my life, in your life, and in the life of this church. Father, for the grace that is so abundantly given to us, we say thank you. Let us not waste it. Let us go out into the world and share this good news with everyone. We pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.